0: Hi everyone, a quick message before we start today's podcast. ATS Scholar is planning a special themed collection on combating racism in health professions education. Relevant topics include teaching how to identify and interrupt microaggressions, curricula on health disparities, work on methods for diversifying incoming trainees, and tools for educators on how to reduce bias. You can learn more by visiting the link in this episode's show notes or by visiting us at atsjournals.org slash Scholar Submission. That's one word, atsjournals.org slash Scholar Submission. Thanks for listening, and enjoy today's episode. This podcast is brought to you by the American Thoracic Society. We help the world breathe. Hello and welcome to another episode of Scholarly, brought to you by the journal ATS Scholar and the American Thoracic Society's Section of Medical Education. My name is Avi Cooper, and I'm the Pulmonary and Critical Care Fellowship Assistant Program Director at The Ohio State University, and I'm a member of the podcasting team here at Scholarly. Today, I am thrilled to be joined by two guests, Dr. Hans Lee and Dr. Ranelle Myers, Dr. Lee is the senior author of the article Impact of Video Game Cross-Training on Learning Bronchoscopy, a Pilot Randomized Controlled Trial, published June 2020 in ATS Scholar. He is an associate professor of medicine at Johns Hopkins University and the director of the Interventional Pulmonary Fellowship there. Dr. Myers is lead author on the accompanying editorial article entitled, Can We Up Our Game in Bronchoscopy Procedural Training? She is an interventional respirologist and associate professor at the University of British Columbia. Thank you both so much for joining me today.
1: It's
2: a pleasure
0: to to be on, Avi.
2: Thank you for the invite.
0: Yeah, that's great. And I wanted to start things off with um, something a little bit lighthearted, I guess. And a question that came up when I was reading your biographies is, Is it respirologist? Is it pulmonologist? Is that a Canadian-American thing? Um, How does that break down?
2: It's a definite Canadian-American thing. (laughs) That's how you can tell where we're from.
1: (laughs) I'm a pulmonologist that wishes to be a respirologist, I guess.
2: And uh, I will say, though, that in the um, field of interventional pulmonology, Canadians are interventional pulmonologists just because IR, you get mistaken for an interventional radiologist.
1: Oh, I never thought about that with the abbreviation.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, don't, don't type IR when you mean mean to type IP. Exactly, exactly. It happens anyway here in the United States. Yeah, I could see why that, why that would be a problem. (laughs) Great. Well, Hans, do you mind uh, summarizing the study that you did and why you did it? What your research question was, how you designed your study and what the results were?
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, just a little background on how this started was that uh, we had a a pulmonary fellow uh, where we were trying to match interests and his passion was video games. I mean, this guy was a a video game uh, connoisseur. And uh, so we wanted to do some research with him where uh, something that included video games and uh, obviously my interest is in bronchoscopy and doing procedures. So it seemed like a a good match to kind of come up with this topic. So specifically, we wanted to know what the impact of video games could be uh, for uh, young learners uh, just learning uh, bronchoscopy for the first time. And uh, the way we did this was um, we got uh, 32 subjects that were uh, mostly medical students, some of them were uh, medical residents, uh, who've never done bronchoscopy. Uh, we took them through our Uh, half-day bronchoscopy training course which we do for all of our pulmonary fellows uh, in our region. And then we randomized them into two different groups. We uh, randomized them to a group where they played the Nintendo Switch uh, for several hours every week uh, for eight weeks. And then a control group where they got the training and got to come in four weeks later for a brush up um, and then Got reevaluated at the end, just like with the video game intervention group. Um, so that that's uh, a nut and bolt uh, of our uh, methodology uh, of our study. Uh, the results kind of was interesting. It it uh, it showed that the video game players uh, before coming into the study uh, seemed to perform better with a lot of the psychomotor skills with doing bronchoscopy, with the uh, collision rates into the airway wall. And however, when you took both groups and you took them through the study, they all kind of got better. And uh, those that were not video game players and those that were in the control group uh, still were able to, to to catch up. Now, there was a trend towards improvement in the video game intervention group, uh, but not statistically significant.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. So it sounds like you're saying it was, it- the, whether or not someone had played video games before receiving the training had more of an effect and was more associated with improved bronchoscopy skill than exposing them to video games now, um, and trying to improve their skills in real time. Is that, is that a fair
1: summary? Yeah. Uh, but those, even those, the people who didn't play video games were still able to, to, to catch up and improve. So we saw improvement in both groups. Uh, it it just seems like, uh, uh, the video game players seem to have a leg up uh, from from the get go, and although not statistically significant, there was kind of a suggestion that uh, they actually improved even more than the uh, than the control group.
0: Interesting, and I'm curious did did either of you guys play a video game growing play video games growing up?
2: I did not. I did not play video games, so that's not what attracted me to interventional, but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Hans. Were you
1: a, were you a gamer? Uh, I I wanted to be a gamer, just like my kids. I I really wanted to play at my friend's house with the uh, Atari back then or Nintendo, uh, but my parents were pretty strict, so they uh, they said no. Play the piano.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I wasn't really much of a video gamer either. Although I didn't become an interventional pulmonologist, so I don't know what the correlation there is. <laughs> um, so Ranelle, uh, Hans, and his group referred to video game training outside of simul- bronchoscopic simulation as cross-training. How do you think that relates to the idea of, say, deliberate practice, you know, that focused, intentional practice of a specific skill or a component of that skill is what's necessary to achieve mastery?
2: Well, I think it's a great concept and a great idea, and we see it in athletes in all um... Uh, in, in cross training for all sorts of sports that helps them take components of that sport and improve it um, to an overall improvement. So the concept with video gaming and bronchoscopy makes sense. We didn't see that in the study that they didn't actually statistically improve. And so perhaps maybe two and a half hours wasn't enough if they did more, or if they did more of a specific, um, specific to bronchoscopy in terms of a video game that was created To look like airways and a controller that looked like a bronchoscope. But I I do like the idea of cross training. um, And I think it's been proven in certainly in athletics.
0: And Hans, is this something that you've ever talked with your trainees about outside of this, this study, like before you did the study or since bringing up video games?
1: Um, yeah, uh, definitely. Um, I, I think video games are, are fun, whether whether you're a kid or, or a grown up like myself, uh, it is just fun. And, uh, you know, one of the hard things about the practice or just going through an academic year as a fellow is uh, trying to maintain motivation high. Um, and if you can incorporate some fun learning, fun practice like video game playing, um, I think that's where this kind of uh, kind of came out of that, hey, video games are fun and they're ubiquitous, right? They're, they're everywhere. So um, you can practice at home, probably shouldn't practice in the hospital uh, with video games, but um, uh, but, it, but it's there and it's fun. And, and this is something that can still be motivating throughout the year. And I think that was uh, uh, one of the things that attracted us to, to do this kind of a study as well.
0: I think it's a very enticing concept that you can send, you can have somebody at home, like in their leisure time, doing something fun that they might be, that they honestly might be doing anyways. Your study suggests that it's going to make them a better bronchoscopist potentially, um, which I think is is it's it's really interesting.
2: I think that's what I liked about the study the most is just that thinking outside the simulator box, because we know that simulation works, but it's hard to access. It has to be booked in the sim lab. It's a whole, with a busy trainee, it's hard to book that in. But if you can come home at night, play some video games with your friends, learn some bronchoscopy, I, I think it's a, it's a very enticing concept.
1: Yeah, and I, I think with this pandemic, I don't know what it was like at your, uh, center, Ronell or Avi. Uh, we had trouble accessing our, our Sim Center uh, because the Sim staff couldn't come in. Um, but, uh, but there were a lot of video games uh, out and about. So I, I think this was still a great opportunity to take advantage of this.
0: One thing that I thought also was, uh, that struck me when I was reading the paper was that you mentioned uh, that other hand-eye coordinated activities like sports or playing a musical instrument didn't seem to correlate the way that video games do, or history of, of playing video games before it did. Is there something unique about video games? Like, th- is it the, the need to coordinate a handheld controller and the spatial reasoning involving objects on a screen, which is really what's happening with bronchoscopy because you're, in, you're interfacing with things you're seeing on a screen. Is that, is that what's going on there?
1: Yeah, I think um, that that's a great point because uh, we we looked at other things like playing musical instruments or athletics in our in our cohorts, and that really didn't make much of a difference at all. But I think what's different about video games because we we tested them with this visual spatial examination, and that seemed to correlate really well with the, with the improvement uh, with video game playing. So whether you were a video game player from the get go, they had a higher visual spatial acuity. Or if you just started playing video games because of the study, your visual spatial acuity goes up. And the the point that I take away from this study is that hey, if I have a fellow or student where I think their problem with doing bronchoscopy is that visual spatial perception, then maybe that's a person that uh, I encourage them. Hey, why don't we play some more video games uh, at home on the weekends? You know, I think uh, <laughs> I think that's that's the perfect place to to help them cross train to be to be better. Um, and then I become a very cool attending, right? And I, you know, Dr. Lee said, play more video games. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. Your homework is to go home and play with your PlayStation. <laughs> right, that's like every kid's dream to hear <laughs> yes. from their teacher. Play three hours of video games this weekend and we'll discuss yeah. it on Monday.
2: <laughs> yeah i think you should start working with nintendo and create the hans lee bronchoscopy video game
1: <laughs> oh if there was a job out there that that would be awesome i would be the coolest dad on, on the planet to my kids
0: i mean the nintendo right the wii controller kind of looks like a like a bronchoscope it does. Right? yeah it just needs so, some
1: airways yeah yeah we, we we use the nintendo switch specifically because it will use a thumb controller similar right, right. to a bronchoscope but um uh, but still very different from a Bronchoscope. So well, that, that leads me into you know, another
0: question. Is, does the actual video game interface matter? You know, the, the haptic interface with a Bronchoscope is different than you know, a PlayStation controller. So does, does that matter?
1: I, I, I think it does. Uh, I think the closer you can get to the actual device that you're using, uh, the better. I think the more bang for your buck. Um, there's been other studies in surgery that show that specific types of gaming will improve certain types of skills uh, and not necessarily others. So understanding that I think is going to be important with uh, choosing your video games. Great. So what do you,
0: what do you think are the implications of these results, you know, especially for a, for fellow level trainees who you didn't enroll in this study. These were more junior, more novice learners than fellow level trainees, but new fellows are still novice bronchoscopists. They may never have done a bronchoscopy as a resident. Um, what, what are the implications for, for those kind of novice fellows? Do you think maybe I'll start with Ranel.
2: Um, well, I think one of the take-home points of this study is again just demonstrating that simulation works. So I think as educators for learners, we need to set up a simulation setting a setting that make it more easily accessible, and um, provide that before they're at the bedside because we know that it. In Hans's study, we see it. That that was the big improvement is that the control group and the intervention group both had two sessions of simulation training, and that's probably what even the playing field between them. Um, so for me, my takeaway from this. And, and future implications are simulation training matters, it works, and it's allowing access to learners for that.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree with Rennell. I think the, the study definitely showed that simulation uh, definitely uh, it works, so, so use it. Um, specifically in the study, though, I, I think, again, if, if you identify students who have issues with uh, visual-spatial uh, spatial perception, I think certain types of video games can certainly help. And on the same token, I think if you have fellows that maybe have trouble with uh, um, quick decision making like you do in a procedure or a video game, video games might certain types of video games might help there as well. Uh, interestingly enough as a as an interventional pulmonary fellowship director, uh, you know I, I may, secretly screen in a question during the interview, hey, do you play video games and how much do you do? Or, or if it comes out, uh, that may be uh, a way for me to start scouting out uh, my my applicants. I hope none of my applicants are, are watching right now um, <laughs> because they might have a leg out. <laughs> so does,
0: you know, your study seemed to really focus on on basic bronchoscopy in terms of you know not hitting the airway and, and and stuff like that with the simulator what are the implications for more advanced bronchoscopic techniques you know ebus and and navigational bronchoscopy which to me always felt like a video game <laughs> anyways um uh come you know what are the implications for those more advanced techniques
1: yeah i i think uh you know the the the, the latest uh I guess craze in procedures is these robotic bronchoscopy and navigational bronchoscopy. One of them you know, the controller is very similar to the Xbox controller um, and I, I think for for us as educators, I, I think what we don 't do enough is maybe uh, ask industry when they produce these type of technology to also produce simulators and uh, advanced educational tools like video games. Uh, that we can help teach and get people uh, on board with this technology and better at this technology. And so anyone listening, I would uh, press upon them to kind of make this point also to uh, industry, especially with the uh, technology that they're interested in, in uh, acquiring, is to kind of ask for these things. Because I, I think they, they help.
2: I agree, Hans. I think those things definitely help. We have simulation for eBus, but uh, anything with navigational or robotics, there is no simulation training for that. And again, it's a lot of hand-eye coordination. We see people improve. The more that you do, gone are the days of see one, do one, teach one, right? We know that having learners... Um, and in Canada, we're moving towards competency-based learning. So there's no longer just a cutoff of, you need 100 Bronx during your fellowship to have uh, basic competency. There's competency checklists and one learner may require 50, another may require 150, but the learning has been, you know, molded to them. And I think that thinking outside the box with things like video games will help people who are maybe struggling a bit more have access. And I think that's the key too, is access.
0: And I think related to that also is like like you said, you know, figuring out what individual people um, learners needs are, you know, diagnosing the learner. And so, just very concretely related to this specific issue, how do you diagnose a fellow that is struggling with visio visuospatial um, coordination and reasoning? How do you diagnose that?
1: Uh, I, I think I, I see it pretty obvious when uh, in July, uh, in the early part of the year, as they do bronchoscopy, uh, they you know, constantly collide into the uh, airway wall. They have trouble keeping their bronchoscope centered in the uh, in the airway. Um, and any type of procedure that requires 3D, uh, that's even more challenging um, uh, because they're watching a 2D image and making 3D uh, judgments. So uh, I think uh, it's, it's very obvious in July. It becomes less obvious as the year goes on, but there are certainly some fellows that take longer than others to, to really appreciate uh, uh, that particular, uh, you know, characteristic. Uh, And, and so I, I wonder if if video games will help. I'm definitely going to experiment with that uh, this year.
2: I'm definitely going to ask when I see someone struggling, ask them if they've played video games, it'll be interesting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that, that actually, you
0: know, it's, it's, you know, we've kind of joked about giving fellows homework and, and having them play video games at home. But it, I mean, in a really seriously, should we be recommending that novice bronchoscopists play video games outside of work to build these visuospatial skills?
2: That might, that might be a little bit of a stretch for me. I don't know if I'm going to recommend that um, people play video games at this point in time, but I'd love to see, um, you know, a larger study maybe with a more, um, bronch specific type video game with longer hours. Uh, I, I don't know if maybe 2.5 hours just wasn't enough that uh, novice, novice video gamers, we didn't see that improvement. I think also I will say that um, outside of airway collision, there is a lot more going on with the bronchoscopy and evaluation of a bronchoscopist and their skills uh, to be competent than just colliding with airways. So I think um, something that can incorporate some learning around anatomy is important
0: as well. Absolutely. So and as we kind of near the the end of this podcast, um, what do you think should be the, the next steps in, in this area of research for
1: video gaming and, and procedural training?
0: Like what's, what's on the horizon that we should be looking at?
1: Yeah, I think uh, you, you kind of touched on it, Avi, uh, earlier, is uh, how about these other type of procedures where it, it's more like a video game experience and, uh, and and people who are already uh, in training or already out of training, how do these people get even better? How do they go from competent to uh, to mastery? And, and that's I think a big missing link in medical education in general. so uh, I think it would be great to see if um, using video game as a tool somehow uh, to help those people improve from being good to great and you uh, and if we can figure that out, I, I think that would go a long way.
0: Yeah, I, I I think that it this this raises a lot of really interesting questions for me about because I think we have taken a lot for for granted in terms of what procedural training looks like. Um and you're right, see one, do one, teach one is not the way we do it anymore. And thresholds for procedures like you know really is falling out of favor as well it's really you know it's not about how many you've done it's how well can you do it now and what are your what are the components of the individual skills that you still need to work on and you know i think this has the potential to be revolutionary you know in in terms of if we can really identify if if that correlation between video game exposure and and bronchoscopic skill can be you know more strongly made you know that connection that, that really does argue that maybe we should be having people doing it at home you know depending on what the future research shows and i think i think it's a really interesting concept
2: i do too and, and for me i really i i think instead of um just video gaming in general if we could almost create this little sim uh, mm-hmm. game that you can have at home so it's like having access to a sim lab but in the comfort of your living room that allows learners to have that access at at they're, they're busy their training schedule is busy so to allow them to have that access would be game changing pun intended no pun intended.
1: <laughs> <laughs> love that pun and, and Bernard, i just want to add on to your last point about uh, being able to have like sort of like distance learning uh, and be able to have the convenience at home, and, and I think that's where like virtual reality or VR tech is is really going to uh, come into play. It's um, certainly uh, already uh, being used a lot more because of the pandemic, and uh, I, I can see a, a great place for that uh, for for us as well.
0: Well, thank you so much both for coming on the podcast today. Really interesting discussion. And I think this is, you know, cutting edge procedural training, actually. And I think it's it's really exciting to see where the field is headed. So thank you both so much for coming on. Where can people find you if they want to connect with you?
2: I'm, um, they can email me. My email is rmyers, M-Y-E-R-S at vch.ca. And um, I don't have any Twitters or Facebook accounts or... <laughs>
1: Um, My email is uh, probably the easiest way to get in touch with me because I I look at that just as much as uh, Twitter these days. It's uh, hlee171 at jhmi.edu. And if you'd like to connect
0: with me, I'm on Twitter at at Avraham Cooper, MD. I hope you enjoyed our discussion today. Please subscribe to Scholarly on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast player of choice so that you stay updated whenever new episodes are available. You can read the open access articles discussed in this podcast at atsjournals.org slash journal slash ATS scholar. Take care. Bye.